Today's episode includes a few stories from our May 6th issue, President Javier's weekly recap, ribbon-cutting ceremony for cultural repository, and SRPMIC Foster Care Program shares how you can become a foster parent. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to the Autumn Action News Podcast. My name is Jessica Joaquin, ad sales slash newsperson for the Autumn Action News. I'm your host for this episode, which is a recap of our latest and greatest, the May 6th issue. I hope everyone had a wonderful Cinco de Mayo. Before we hear from President Javier, let me remind you where you can find the COVID-19 numbers from around the community. You can find them on the SRPMIC Facebook page or the SRPMIC website at srpmic-nsn.gov. There's a COVID-19 page there and it has so much information. And if you have any questions, just go check out that page. Also, the phone number to the COVID-19 hotline is 480-362-2603. You can also schedule an appointment to be vaccinated by calling that same line. All right, let's hear President Javier's weekly recap that was released April 30th, 2021. Hello, community members. Uh, Come to you today for the weekly update. I'd like to, as always, start off with the vaccinations that's been done here in the community. As of the report this morning, there's been 15,625 total COVID-19 tests that have been done here by our health officials here in the community. I just wanted to report as of this morning, the report is we have 20 active cases and we have one individual that's hospitalized. And I think we all, uh, for the last couple of weeks, you know, well, last week we kind of had a rise in active cases. And prior to that, we were actually at zero for a couple of weeks. So we've seen an increase and and now to have one of our members hospitalized, again, we just need to be careful out there and meeting with our family members and those that maybe are just out in public, just again, wear the face mask and uh, social distancing. We still encourage our members to do that. Uh, but as always, let's keep those that have the active cases and especially the, our individual that's hospitalized in our thoughts and prayers. I also wanted to report today uh, down at the community building is the last uh, a vaccination pod that will take place down at the community building. Uh, again, uh, from the beginning of the vaccinations, having the pods down at the community building uh, through the drive through And now I believe the last couple have been where they walk into the gymnasium for their vaccination. I wanna thank all of the health officials. I'm gonna thank all the volunteers in helping uh, get the vaccinations into the arms of our members uh, that have went to the pods. So uh, again, thank you. That's not the end. I just wanted to report beginning uh, Friday, May the 7th, running through the whole month of June, every Friday, there's gonna be an opportunity to receive a vaccination. If you're gonna get a vaccination, you still need to call the COVID hotline, and that number is 480-362-2603 and press option two. And in calling that number, you can make an appointment. Uh, I encourage you to, to call that number, make an appointment to get a vaccination. You know, one of the things I think uh, that we've been talking about uh, with our COVID team that we meet twice a week, and I wanna uh, really thank all of those individuals as part of that uh, group you know, and just the expertise and knowledge they have of what we're experiencing. But one of the areas that we've really been talking about is just continuing to get the message out to our members. And I I will just say personally myself, you know, I received uh, both vaccinations, so I'm considered fully vaccinated. I know there's the concern out there of side effects of getting the vaccination. You know, I just want you to think how long, not only here in the community, but throughout the world that uh, individuals have been receiving the vaccination uh, for this COVID-19. 
And I'm sure there's some side effects, you know, that I, I don't know of. I think we all know that through Johnson & Johnson, it was kind of pulled for a while. But from my understanding, that's been back uh, after some testing has been done. So that Johnson & Johnson vaccination is now available. Uh, we've been taking the Moderna here. And um, I will say that after the second shot of Moderna, I did have some side effects. I had the chills for about 10 hours. And I just think about, you know, going through that. I don't think anybody likes to feel sick, but I'd rather maybe going through that than having to go to the hospital to be maybe on a ventilator or, you know, just going through the, the, the whole uh, sickness or illness that you go through of getting COVID-19. I'd rather experience the chills than have to go through those other uh, complications that you have when you're actually uh, diagnosed with COVID-19. So I just encourage you to uh, really think about it. It really is a protection for yourself. It's a protection for your family and it's a protection for our community. And I just feel that through this pandemic, you know, we have a, a site here in the community uh, representing those that we have lost with the white flag. And to look at those uh, flags out there, you know, I think when we lose somebody that's close to us, we always think, what could we have done to maybe protect them so that maybe that they're still here? I would like you to think about that. Uh, I would like you to think about possibly getting the vaccination again for the protection, not only of yourself, but of your loved one. I would hate for anybody to experience losing a loved one because of COVID. So again, just uh, closing, I'd really like you to think about it, especially the young people. For some reason, this virus doesn't seem to affect our young people as much as it affects the elderly or those with underlying health conditions. But let's not, I guess, be selfish. I'd, I would say let's get the vaccination so that we, again, protect those that we love that may have those underlying health condition, protect our elderly. And when we protect them, we're protecting our culture, we're protecting our language, we're protecting who we are. So I would encourage you again to think about it. We live in a free country. It, it is a choice that you have. But if you're able to see the news, you're seeing all of these countries that are in poverty, that don't have access to the vaccination. Their wish is that they had the vaccination. We have it. I would encourage you to think about getting it. And with that, as always, be safe. God bless. Shield up. And just one more quick update. The community government is still in phase two. This means that some government operations that have been closed are now open. But I would encourage you to call the departments ahead of time and determine whether or not they have staff available to assist you. Okay, let's get into a few of our stories. Ribbon-cutting ceremony for cultural repository signifies new era for SRPMIC. This story is by newsperson Chris Picciuolo. On April 17th, the Salt River Prima Maricopa Indian Community's Cultural Resources Department held a virtual grand opening for the new cultural repository, which is located behind the old Salt River Day School at Longmore and McDowell Roads. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, there was no public attendance for the ribbon-cutting ceremony at 10 a.m., which was instead live-streamed on Vimeo. Gary Owens, manager of the Hukum Key Museum, began the grand opening festivities by welcoming the community to the cultural repository before handing the microphone over to Barbara Johnson, who gave a moving prayer for the opening. Ron Carlos from the Autumn Peeposh Language Program at CRD then performed a morning song from the Asha Song series. Here is CRD Director Kelly Washington speaking on the importance of the new facility. Good morning. Uh, I want to thank uh, my Mui, Ron Carlos, for that beautiful song. 
It is a beautiful morning. Uh, first of all, I want to welcome President Javier, Vice President Leonard, Council, Assistant Community Manager Ken Andrews, staff, special guests, and those of you who are watching uh, the virtual event via live stream. Uh, today, we celebrate uh, the completion of our community's beautiful new cultural resources repository. And this is truly an historic event to be remembered. And uh, fortunately, this facility helps us to ensure that it will be remembered. Uh, this event is going to be, it is being video recorded, photographed. Uh, there are flyers that went out and uh, there's agendas and all this ephemera. These are artifacts that we leave behind from today's event. And these artifacts will be preserved in this building in a hundred years from now our great-great-grandchildren will be able to view them and hear them, and they will cherish them in the same way that we cherish those things that were left behind from our great-great-grandparents for us to view and to hear. The 24,562-square-foot cultural repository building will house cultural artifacts and will have archive and processing rooms, large spaces for permanent collections, a soundproofed media room, and conservation laboratories for the preparation of archaeological artifacts. The outside of the building features colors and a design representing the riverbank, and it follows the bends of the river as well. Washington said that the location of the new cultural repository is no accident. The facility is located near the first SRPMIC school, a one-room schoolhouse that was built in 1899 and later served as a clinic and a courthouse. Across the street to the south is a day school built in the 1930s. Some SRPMIC members who attended the Phoenix Indian School as children helped lay the bricks in the walls at the day school as part of their vocational training. One of the old teacher's dormitories nearby was also built in the 1930s and was later used as a childcare facility. Most recently, it was used as an interim repository. To the northeast is the old rodeo grounds, and in the general area of the new repository was the first community hall, police station, jail, fire station, education department, and many other facilities that no longer remain. But the memories of those places and the memories of the events associated with those places still remain. Uh, this area here is full of our history, and we endeavor to preserve that history. SRPMIC President Martin Javier addressed everyone and thanked the project managers of the construction of the facility, the facility's designers, the SRPMIC member-owned Maidal Construction Company, and Vice Chairman of the Thonautham Nation, Waveline Saunders, for being present. Here is President Javier. That's why I truly believe uh, having this facility not only to uh, take care of those artifacts that are found not only here in the community, but off the community when projects happen, but it's also to me to uh, gather knowledge from our community members. And, and I'll be honest, it's, it's been really tough and sad as, during this pandemic because we lost, lost some elders that I truly believe contained a lot of knowledge and history about the community. So going forward, I know there's an opportunity with, within the walls of this facility to capture the knowledge and history of our members of what they remember this community being like as they were growing up and some of the important things that stood out to them. SRPMIC Vice President Ricardo Leonard then came to the microphone and talked about his grandfather, who at one time was the chief of police for the community. He also reminisced about going to school near the new repository as a young child. 
Leonard also performed a God song and was reminded of a story about a certain time that spirits leave this world and at a certain point, arms are raised and the beams of the sun touch down on the fingers and create wings that bring you to the next world. SRPMIC Tribal Historic Preservation Officer Shane Anton talked about NAGPRA, the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, which was enacted in 1990. And what it did, it was the scientific community as well as uh, Native nations getting together and deciding that uh, there were four uh, groups of objects, items that that they discussed, uh, one being human remains, two being their... uh, um, grave offerings or um, yeah, the grave offerings, uh, items of cultural patrimony and sacred objects, those four categories. The 2,644 square foot NAGPRA building adjacent to the cultural repository will be a place for these objects and human remains to be housed. It includes a processing room and a suite to be used for reburial ceremonies. With the facility today, one of the main things that we um, wanted to ensure that we did was have proper housing for our, our huagam. And so the Otham belief, you know, we take very good care of our people. And once they've left this life, you know, um, spiritually, their physical remains are still here and we're left to care for them and to do it properly. The SRPMIC THPO continues to abide by NAGPRA, as well as actively participating in NAGPRA roundtables, discussions, and conferences to gain a better understanding of compliance and possible changes to the Act. Owens announced the dedication of the new building by bringing out Courtney and Esther Moya, who danced joyfully through the ribbon, to mark the official ribbon cutting. They entered the building to applause from all in attendance. Two groups of attendees took turns taking a tour of the facility while remaining socially distanced and wearing masks. From 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., a public drive-around of the facility was offered to community members who could tune into their radio at 107.7 FM for featured programming. About 250 gift bags were given away to all who attended the drive-around. At noon, community members could take a virtual walking tour on Vimeo. On March 25th, Autumn Action News was given a tour led by Owens and SRPMIC Engineering and Construction Services Senior Construction Manager Jason Kirby. Owens was excited to share the facility's progress at that time. So the first thing is that this building was built specifically for the needs of taking care of uh, the tribal collections, which includes the artifacts, which includes the new archaeology. And um, we needed a building for the Hulagum Key Museum staff to do their job properly. We had vastly outgrown the, the, the current one that was a BIA dormitory that was meant to be a BIA dormitory and nothing else. So this building was built for a specific need. It was not a renovation, it was not a redo, and we gotta hand it to the tribal council for believing in the whole, the whole aspect of cultural preservation to greenlight this. I encourage you all to visit the Salt River Cultural Resources Department YouTube channel where you can view the 45-minute repository ribbon cutting and virtual walking tour. Do a Google search and their channel should pop up. All right, let's move on to our next story. SRPMIC Foster Care Program shares how you can become a foster parent. This story is by senior news reporter Tasha Silverhorn. National Foster Care Month every May is a time to acknowledge foster parents, family members, child welfare professionals, and others who help youth in foster care. 
This month is also a good time to learn about the SRPMIC Foster Care Program and how you can become a foster parent to one or more children of the Salt River Prima Maricopa Indian community. Norma Hernandez, MSW, Manager of Foster, Kinship, Adoption, and Guardianship Licensing for the community, said that the first step is to contact her at 480-242-0963. She will give you an orientation on the foster care program by phone. After that, there are two options for an interested foster parent to choose from. Hernandez said, Option 1, Salt River is the only tribal nation in the country participating with the National Training Development Center as a pilot program. Participants attend our 30-hour pre-service training classes for 10 weeks via Zoom from the comfort of their home. Option two, participants have the option to take an online pre-service training program through fosterparentcollege.com. We provide a selection of 30 credit hours of training to choose from. Once the participant decides which route they prefer, a licensing specialist is assigned to the family. From there, the licensing specialist provides the participant a packet of documents and processes background clearances with the Salt River Police Department, Salt River Child Protective Services, the Department of Child Safety, and the Tribal Access Program. Then participants are required to provide three references from non-relatives, a physician statement, and personal documents. The licensing specialist will conduct a safety tour through the home, write a home study, and meet with the family for interviews. The entire process takes approximately three to five months. The foster care program has continued to accept new applicants throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. The program has held virtual classes and orientations for interested families. A foster parent will have the opportunity to make a difference in a child's life. The foster parent will change the life of the child, and the child will change the life of the foster parent. Hernandez said, the foster parent can be a conduit for helping heal and change the trajectory of a child's life. The foster parent will feel good about providing a safe environment, a home free from violence, alcohol, drugs, or neglect. It's rewarding to see the child smile, to experience love, and to know that you as a foster parent were part of the process to help the family through the reunification process. The ultimate goal in foster care is reuniting the foster child with his or her birth family. Foster parents are not a substitute parent. They are a support to the parent, explained Hernandez. We need enrolled community members to assist with fostering so our children remain in the community and maintain ties with family, friends, culture, and academics, said Hernandez. If you are unable to commit to fostering, perhaps you would consider being a respite provider. Respite providers assist the foster parent or the foster child when a break is needed, or you may want to consider becoming an emergency receiving home. You would need to be available 24-7 to take children into your home on a short-term basis when the child cannot stay in their birth home, but Hernandez and her team are unable to immediately locate a foster home. For more information on becoming a foster care program participant, call Hernandez at 480-242-0963. SRPMIC Social Services Foster Care Program has three one-hour orientation sessions coming up. First is May 18th at 1 p.m. The second is May 18th at 6.30 p.m. or May 22nd at 10 a.m. So if any of those times work for you, give them a call and sign up for this one-hour orientation. It will be via Zoom. That does it for this episode. Please head over to the OAN website at authornews.org to read stories from this May 6th issue. Other stories include SRFD Deputy Chief Kevin Makel hangs up his boots after 37 years. 
Governor Ducey signs Historic Tribal State Gaming Compact Amendment, SRPMIC member featured in mural collaboration in downtown Phoenix, Social Services Team brings Native perspective to care for vulnerable community members, and Earth Day Recap, May is Stroke Awareness Month, Emergency Management Highlight, You Can Prevent Wildfires, and Dental Suite at River People Health Center to be run by HHS. There are not only articles in our newspaper, there are announcements from various SRPMIC departments and programs, as well as job announcements, board vacancies, council corner, legal notices, church listings, and business listings. So be sure to check that out. Now, before we wrap up this episode, I want to mention a couple of things. First, name the SRPMIC full. Not sure if any of you remember the story by newsperson Chris Picciolo that we read in episode 35 about the SRPMIC Mustang named Nube who went to her new home in Finland. If you don't know about it, go check it out or read the story in our February 4th issue. Well, it turns out Nube was pregnant. The owners are now looking for an Otham or Peeposh name for the foal. If you have any name suggestions, please email us at autumnactionnews at srpmic-nsn.gov. You got to send us that email by May 21st, all right? The second thing that I want to mention is the Autumn Action News 2021 graduation issue. This will be coming out in the beginning of June. And if you are a graduate or you have a graduate, please send us a photo and a 30-word message to your graduate and we'll make sure we get it in our graduation issue. The deadline for that is May 21st at 5 p.m. All right, that is all. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News and at News on Instagram. And remember, if you have any podcast ideas or general story ideas, you can always send us an email. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to wear your masks and we'll catch you next week for an episode of OAN Connects. Goodbye.